It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. On this episode of Beyond the Booth with Jesse Agler, we're taking you inside the 2018 MLB Draft and sitting down with the Director of Amateur Scouting for the Padres, Mark Connor, and International Scouting Director and Field Coordinator, Chris Camp. Connor provides a glimpse inside the war room and what goes into drafting a player. Chris explains what happens after a drafted player is signed and the process of placing them within the system. Now, here is Beyond the Booth with Jesse Agler and the 2018 MLB Draft. Well, it's a very fun time of year if you're a baseball fan, right? You've got uh, the, the standings starting to, I think, make a little bit more sense or at least feel a little bit more significant. Uh, you're starting to get a sense of what your team may or may not be. Although in the Padres' case, honestly, it's, it's not necessarily that straightforward with either one of those things. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it's early June, and you've got uh, what they call the June Amateur Draft, which is the draft. That's the, the big draft. And the Padres had three picks on the first day, the number 7 overall selection, the number 38 overall selection, and the number 74 overall selection. So what we wanted to do on this podcast was just get, I think, a little bit of a better sense of um, who these guys are, but also what the process is like. Uh, the drafting process, yes, but also the development process. And, you know, it's one thing to select these guys. It's another thing to then sign them and, and get them out into the world, so to speak, and to send them to Arizona or to Tri-Cities or the Dominican uh, to start their professional careers. So a couple of guys in the Padre organization, uh, very high up in baseball operations, that are absolutely the perfect guys to talk to about this. We're going to hear from both of them. And uh, we're going to start with Mark Connor. He's the director of amateur scouting. Uh, he's the guy right next to A.J. Preller and all the pictures that you saw uh, from the draft war room uh, helping to put all of this together and uh, to make the pick. So uh, first, enjoy this conversation with Mark as we break down some of the top Padre draft picks. All right, Mark, I think uh, the obvious place to start would be on the first day of the draft, three picks, and that was not something that was true just a couple of weeks ago for the Padres, uh, but picked up that third one from the Twins uh, in the trade recently. But let's start at the top, number seven overall, uh, a high school left-handed pitcher. That sounds familiar for you guys. Did it last year with Mackenzie Gore uh, from North Carolina. This year, Ryan Weathers from Tennessee. Uh, coincidental, I'm sure, that they're both uh, left-handed pitchers uh, who were high school guys, uh, but another exciting uh, arm, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, we're very excited with Ryan. I mean, Ryan, uh, we, we've scouted him over the past couple of years. Uh, I've seen him on the big stage with Team USA during the summer circuit. Uh, scouted him a lot this spring. And, you know, and every draft has a different selection of players. And in this one, like, there was a group of high school p pitchers that we scouted for quite a while. And, you know, as we started going through the process, we, you know, narrowed the field. And he was the guy that uh, that we liked and the group felt great about and, super happy high school stats are always a little bit funny I think for pitchers and for position players you see batting averages you know way up there uh, but the 0.09 ERA in his senior year of high school that kind of jumps off the page even you know for high school numbers and obviously the competition is different you know here and there and everywhere um, but but that that's finishing strong it sounds like <laughs> yeah I mean he had a tremendous year I mean like one of the things Ryan came off of basketball and you know he hit full stride really quick 
Um, you know, the thing about Ryan is he's an extreme competitor. Uh, he got a couple games I saw him, got into a couple jams, but the one thing he always knew how to do was to get out of them. Uh, and if you look back at his track record, he performed in the summer, he performed his junior year. And I mean, this year they put together was good enough to get him National Gatorade Player of the Year, which uh, two years in a row we've taken that one as well. That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, is it sometimes helpful to see guys get into jams when you're watching them? Because I imagine there are kids, especially in high school, in certain places where they're just mowing everybody down, you know, game after game after game. That, I, I'm guessing, just thinking about it off the top of my head, might be tougher to scout than, than what you just kind of described with Weathers. Yeah, I mean, uh, we want to see guys in adverse situations. We want to see them in adverse environments uh, because the, these high school players, I mean, that are getting drafted up at that that point are they're exceptional talents, they're exceptional people, they're competitors. And, you know, the one thing that you always want to see is you want to see them compete and in a tough environment. And that's why, like, our area scout, Tyler Stubblefield, went and watched him play basketball because it's not his first sport. And you go watch him and something he's not as good in, then you can see that adversity a little bit easier. And actually, he was pretty good in basketball as well. It took him to a state championship. So, uh, no, but like seeing those, these guys in adversity uh, definitely helps us understand what they're going to do when they get out to professional baseball and they get challenged a little bit more. Talking about first-round pick, Ryan Weathers, number seven overall. Uh, as I, I imagine most Padre fans have heard by now, his dad, of course, David Weathers, 19 years uh, in the big leagues as a pitcher, coast-to-coast uh, coast all over the place. Bloodlines, it, it seems like we're talking about them every single year, at least at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, in this situation and any of the situations where guys have parents and or fathers that pitch in the big leagues, they get to grow up in the clubhouse. I mean, they get to be a part of it, and, you know, they see what this this world's like in the sense of, you know, what the major league level's like, what the competition's like, what the ups and downs are like, and they have a an experience that's, you know, you, you can't teach and you know they get to do it through their their father and in this situation like getting to see David like uh, who pitched for a long long time so Ryan was able to be with him for a lot of years and it's just a wealth of knowledge and experience that he's picked up through uh, seeing his dad do this when you talk about your scouts and your department you know going all over the place looking at these guys checking on them obviously you know you're picking number seven this year for instance but there's no real way to know who's going to be there necessarily so how many different guys are, are you sort of locked in on as recently as maybe a week or two ago as a possibility with that spot uh, I mean I think like you know early in the year we probably started with a group of like 25 names uh, maybe 30 that like we, as the year progressed and we saw the, the where guys were moving uh, we'd narrow that list and at times you narrow it and then you add somebody into it. And ultimately, like, I mean, still at the end, like we were still scouting, you know, close to 10 guys, uh, maybe a few more that like ultimately, like you don't know what's going to happen with, you know, who's going to get there. You don't know if an injury is going to happen late. So, I mean, we're trying to cover all our bases and be prepared for any situation. Very cool. All right, let's move on to the number two pick that the Padres had, 38th overall, uh, Xavier Edwards. Uh, he's a high school shortstop from South Florida. Uh, the thing, uh, as I looked into him very briefly in the last 24 hours or so that, that popped out to me was, oh, this, this kid looks really fast. Is that good scouting? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got that one right, for sure. He can really, really run. Uh, and he's a shortstop, so uh, switch hitter, I believe, also. So take me into into the scouting report on Xavier Edwards. Yeah, I mean, Xavier is a very polished high school baseball player with tools. I mean, he's, you know, medium frame. He's athletic, twitchy. He's, can, you know, 
bat offensively he's got bat to ball skills he has the ability to use all parts of the field uh has a short game and actually flash a little bit of a you know driving the ball in the gap i mean once he adds some more strength some powers are going to come uh you know then you you talk about the speed i mean he's a 70 runner uh which translates to a lot of stolen bases uh combined with his instincts for the game he's a very intelligent player that you know sees the game well talks the game well like has just a knack for being in the right place, right time. Uh, defensively, you know, he's got the chance to be a solid, if not plus shortstop at the major league level. Uh, he's got quick feet, good hands, uh, quick, easy transition with the the glove and the ball. And from there, like, I mean, we're lo looking at an exciting player that's got a chance to hit top of the order and be in the middle of the diamond. I'm sure a lot of Padre fans are hearing that, and they're saying, wow, that all sounds great. But they're also probably wondering to themselves, how much do you guys take into account other guys in the organization, whether they're in the minor leagues a year or two along or in the big leagues playing a certain position when you're looking at drafting somebody, uh, you know, in June every year? You know, I mean, I think when, when you're looking at the top of the draft, I mean, you're, you're taking the best player available always. Um, I think if you stay consistent with that, then you get an influx of talent. And what that's going to do is it's going to create an environment where the players challenge each other and try to get better, and it's going to push them. Um, you know, but like as far as like looking what we have in our system and say like, oh, we can't draft this position, we we would be doing the wrong thing if we didn't try to go after the best player every pick. Along those lines, it seems like, and and the first two picks are, are a perfect example of this with a pitcher and an infielder. Just in the first two days, pretty good mix of pitchers and position players. Does that happen intentionally? Does that just happen because of who's available that you guys like the most when the picks come around? Do you go into it with a plan or a sense of, hey, we, we'd like to pick up a couple more pitchers or a couple a couple more infielders? Or is it really truly like, no, this is the guy at the top of our list when our pick comes up? No, I mean, like every time one of our picks comes up, we have a group of players that we discuss and we look at. Uh, you know, sometimes the group's as small as three players. Sometimes it's as big as 10 players. And, you know, you start going through and you're like, who's the best player? Uh, and start asking questions why we've done a lot of prep work, you know, really for 365 days leading up to it, if not more. And then the, the seven to 10 days prior that we get in the room, we discuss all these players. And, you know, when the pick comes, we want to take the best player. It's not necessarily like ever fit based. I mean, it, you know, we want the best player chance to be a big leaguer. How many people are in that conversation in the room? We've seen the pictures of the draft room. It's a little bit hard to tell, I think, if you've never actually been in there. Uh, you know, I mean, it's roughly 20. I mean, there, there's, you know, our cross-check staff's here the whole time. Our area scouts come in. They talk about their players uh, previously. Uh, we got our R&D department that's in there giving us, you know, a different view of things. And, you know, it's a blend of the baseball operations and the scouts uh, all discussing things that because we all look at things a little bit different. Yeah. And ultimately, we're just trying to make the best picks. I was going to say, because everybody's kind of coming at it from a different angle, or you got a lot of people who do. Um, is it hard to get to a consensus sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, to get a full consensus, everybody on board is, you know, it happens every once in a while. But, like, we all look at things just a little bit different. And the life experience that we all have and the experience we have in the field and, you know, history, history we have with players the history you know and the analytics side of it and like it just all like viewed a little bit different and to me like the hardest part about my job is blending those opinions you know like I try to go with the guys that have the most history with them that know them that have been working on the most uh you know and I rely a lot and I, I can't stress enough the area scouts that 
know these players that are on the ground just grinding, getting to know their makeup, getting to know how they're wired, because ultimately that's a separator in all these things. Like we can look at the tools and the performance, but you know, if the player's not made right and he doesn't have passion for the game and commitment and desire and ability to handle adversity, you know, we're going to move on to a different player. It makes a lot of sense. So Ryan Weathers, a high school pitcher. Xavier Edwards, a high school shortstop. The third pick the Padres made their last pick on the first day. 74th overall and outfielder out of Texas Tech. Grant Little. Before we even dive into Grant Little, how different is it these days scouting and trying to figure out a college guy as opposed to a high school guy? Well, I, mean, I, I think it's different with even high school guy to high school guy. I mean, you have all different environments. You have all different levels of competition. You have all different environments of weather, fields, everything that you're scouting these guys in. It's not just college and high school and junior college. They're, they're all different. I mean, you have small school, big school, college guys. To me, every scenario is different. Is there different information available on each before you get down on the ground, obviously, as you do with all of these guys? Um, but, you know, when it comes to the way the teams are covered, that sort of stuff, does that help at all? Or is that uh, sort of things you're, you're picking up on your own anyway? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, e again, e each situation is just a yeah. little bit different. Um, you know, it's, it's how, how much access you have in some of these college programs, how, how open they are, how closed sure. off they are. Uh, sometimes with the college or the high school kids, the same thing. Like you can have a lot of access and get around them and get the information. Uh, sometimes a little bit harder. It's, it's an individual thing. And, you know, the area scouts that like in our staff, like they do a tremendous job of like trying to figure out ways to get around these players the best they can to help us make big decisions because, I mean, it's uh, – all these picks are really important for the future of the franchise. And that goes back to what we said a few moments ago about having this extra pick on the first day. I imagine to you guys in that room, you cannot put a price on that. Obviously, the team did put a price on that, and that was the trade with Minnesota. Um, but just getting you know, one more at bat, so to speak, on the first day had to be huge for you guys. Yeah, I mean... Scouts live for picks, yeah. that, you know, and like the opportunity to add more players to the organization. Uh, so getting that pick, I mean, like honestly, like you do all the work all year, and by the time the draft comes, I mean, everyone in that room that travels all over the country, the regions, you know, we're all exhausted. And, you know, getting getting to hear a few days before we get in the room that we get an extra pick, you know, another crack, I mean, it reinvigorated mm. the scouts. And, you know, we all come in with a – even more energy and more passion to try to go find another guy that we wouldn't have had a chance at before. Really cool. All right, so Grant Little, scouting report, outfielder, Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, Grant Little is uh, an athletic outfielder that's played shortstop, played some second base. I mean, uh, you know, he's a very versatile young man uh, that has a really good feel at the plate. It's a pretty simple swing, bat-the-ball skills. Uh, he'll flash you some power. And, uh, you know, if, if you've ever watched SportsCenter, you might have seen him on there. He made a couple highlight catches during the year. Very cool. I'm going to give you uh, one more name to scout before we let you get back to work here. And uh, it's a little bit of a cherry pick from day two. But we've gone over the day one, guys. Uh, there's just someone kind of interesting. And, again, I, I'm, I'm reading up on all this stuff after the fact. Uh, Kid Vega, left-handed pitcher uh, from Puerto Rico, six foot two. What can you tell me about him? I'm personally interested. He piqued my interest. I can't explain why. But what do you got? Yeah, I mean, so our area scout, Willie Ronda, down in Puerto Rico, and uh, our other scout that has South Florida, Puerto Rico, Brian Cruz, who first-year scout, both of them identified this guy. And, you know, our group identified him in Jupiter, like our specialist assistant James Keller I mean I know AJ mentioned his name uh seeing him down in Jupiter and it's like it's a good body athletic uh 
you know, long, loose arm, uh, had, shows ability to throw 90-92, uh, some field to spin a breaking ball. And, he, like, from all the work that we've done on him, like, he's an intelligent kid that's a really good athlete that's uh, got a lot of upside out of him. Very, very cool. Uh, Mark, always cool catching up with you. Appreciate it. I know it's a crazy uh, few weeks for you guys. Thanks for taking a few minutes for us. No problem. Thank you. Fascinating stuff, uh, certainly, with Mark, and and appreciate that. I said it earlier, the development is also such an interesting and obviously critical piece of the whole thing. Uh, Chris Kemp is one of my favorite guys to talk to. He's the Padres' director of international scouting, so he runs all the international signings. That, that's his thing. He's also a field coordinator, or the field coordinator, uh, which means that for a lot of the position players who are drafted, he plays a, a critical role in sort of getting them placed in the minor leagues and then uh, in their early development after they've been drafted by the Padres. So talking to Chris uh, about what happens after these guys are drafted, after they're signed, and what those processes are all about all right so a lot of the names have uh, been selected that's that's part of it it's not all of it and when you're trying to build a, a world series champion major league roster uh, it starts years and years and years in advance and, and chris i think the most interesting thing to me is not necessarily the drafting but it's it's what comes afterwards the development of mm -hmm. these guys so let, let's start here when all is said and done you're going to sign a bunch of guys you drafted you're going to sign some guys you didn't draft who, who weren't drafted at all then what for these guys. Yeah, I think, you know, you look in the case of Weathers, the guy we just took, you know, myself, Sam, we're on the phone with Tyler Stubblefield, the area scout. You know, we're gathering the background info, like how many innings did he throw this spring? How fresh is he? You get with Jungle and Lino, what kind of throwing program do you put in place? So you're already putting player plans together for the guys you just got. And, you know, with all the area scouts there, we're getting all their information, read their reports. Uh, we talk to coaches. And we put together our plan right on uh, right on cue. Now, it's not going to be the same for everybody, obviously. How different is it, let, let's start here, from a, a pitcher standpoint versus a position player standpoint? Yeah, I think the pitching standpoint, you have to look at how many innings they threw. Was he a Friday night SEC guy who threw 100-plus innings? Was he a guy that maybe threw 30, 40 innings out of the bullpen? And you're going to adjust to each guy's plan and, and how fresh you want them come instructionally. And for the position players, is position it more just throwing players, in? Yeah. yeah, I think you want to see what they got. You trust the scouts. You know, we're not going to touch these guys right out the gate. We want to watch them play, let them show us what their strengths are, and then adjust around that. What uh, what what are some of the different places these guys can end up, and and what sort of determines where they go once they sign to get into the system? Yeah, I think right now these guys, you've got the Tri City team in the Northwest League, and we have our two Arizona teams. Um, it'll be a mix of positional needs and experience. Uh, I think you'll see a nice mix on all three squads between young Latin players, some older college guys, and we're just going to go with the best fit. What, what's the most important thing for a guy to, to keep in mind? And, and let's just use Xavier Edwards as an example. Mm -hmm. He's a position player, high school kid from Florida. When he goes to wherever he goes to start his pro career, mm -hmm. what, what's, what's the main thing you would tell him or a guy like him? I would say, you know, it's just the work ethic. You know, we're going to be out there doing early work, and he's going to be facing tough competition. But as long as he has the mindset of, like, being ready to work every day, his natural tool set should take off. So I think we're excited to see how he blends in with some of our younger guys in AZ and expect him to be a leader. Do you guys put dates on these players, even in your minds, saying, hey, he should be at this level by this time? 
this early in the process? Yeah, that I think yet? so. Yeah. yeah, we already kind of start sketching stuff out next year. Um, you know, is Xavier Edwards playing in Fort Wayne this time next year? Is he a leadoff type of guy um, in Fort Wayne? And, and guys that he could be coming up with, or you know, what's Xavier Edwards going to look like in instructional league this year? You definitely start putting the skeleton together of different rosters down the road. But at the end of the day, they're going to show you this summer. All right, so a guy shows up in, in Tri-Cities. He's up in the Northwest League. Mm-hmm. Who's the first person he's meeting from the organization up there? Um, well, I'd say first they'll probably head to Arizona, and they're going to meet myself, Sam, Ben, Riley, Steve, and, and Eric. And we're going to have some meetings and get them going right into the program. So that gets them into the facility, the same place the Padres mm-hmm. do their Major League Spring training. Exactly. We'll do a, a couple-day draft mini camp with the coordinators. Tony Tarasco will be in town, Kevin Hooper, and we'll get going uh, starting Monday. I think all of this is such a good reminder of just how critical when it comes to developing these guys, the coaches, the managers the process. are, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to be putting their hands on these guys Immediately. right out of the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, from spring training, we had, like, a great vibe, a good energy through camp, and now we're adding another 20, 25 guys. Um, we're pretty excited. Very cool. So we're, we're talking about what happens after the draft, after they sign. How much is, is sort of predetermined versus how much it can change based upon a guy doing well? Uh, I'll use an example we saw in the big leagues recently, Juan Soto for the Nationals. Mm-hmm. We saw his, his big league Great debut hitter. when the Padres were there, right? Yeah. And he was a guy that this year was, I think, at low A, mm-hmm. high A, double A, and then we saw him in the big leagues. And mm-hmm. that was like in, in May. Insane. It's incredible. Obviously, that's a rare, rare, rare sort of case. But but how much can a guy make a case for himself in a yeah, season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, especially with the recent drafted guys, some of the college kids, it wouldn't be unfathomable to see some of these guys show up in Fort Wayne, um, especially if we start to get some trickle down. Maybe a Buddy Reed goes to double A, a guy like a Jason Rosario goes to high A. Well, the guy we just took out of Texas Tech, Little, maybe he ends up in Fort Wayne, or Dwanya Sutton from East Carolina in the fifth round, maybe he, he ends up in Fort Wayne. These guys go out and hit – we're not going to stop them. You know, we're not going to put barriers in front of these guys. If a guy goes out hitting 400 in Tri City, we're going to acknowledge that and challenge him. That's not the same in every organization. At no, every time, I don't think it? so. I yeah. think AJ, um, in the way we think, like we have to challenge our young players, not only international kids, but these new draft guys. Like our scouts love them. We take a pick, they go out hitting. Let's push them. How how do you think that impacts the kids? That's got to be exciting. They know. I think. Yeah. They know. And and I think on the flip side too, there's this competition between. The guys, whether they're in AZ or Fort Wayne, they know who's doing good, maybe who's struggling, creates good inner competition, and the guys know if they re- perform, they'll get de- uh, rewarded. All right, so you're a field coordinator. You're also yeah. the director of international scouting. Yes, you mentioned sir. those guys. The June draft is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. It is. And about a month later, there's another huge deal with the international yeah. signing period. Yeah, the signing um, Those guys are a lot younger in most cases mm-hmm. uh, than the guys who are drafted. What, what's the beginning of their pro experience like for the most part? Um, they will sign and report to our academy in Dominican, and they will go right into a what we call the Tricky League. Um, it's kind of a funny name, but it's basically the JV version of the DSL team. They'll do everything, training, uh, education, uh, nutrition, and they'll play about 25 games. Uh, but they'll be up at 6 in the morning in the gym and go to school in the afternoon at the complex. It's a full thing. Yeah, it's a full thing. It's basically like a high school season jammed into the summer. Um, and then those guys will stay there probably through October. What's um, what's to you the most kind of rewarding part about seeing a guy 
develop, you know, someone who you had a part in, in signing mm-hmm. and or drafting and, and them kind of moving up through the system? Um, seeing them get acclimated in the States, you know, I see Jason and Tirso, and I see them, like, laughing and having fun in the locker room. I see them, like, outside the stadium interacting with fans, people wanting their autographs in Fort Wayne and knowing where they came from, and you're starting to see it slowly build. I think it's more stuff off the field and then being comfortable and safe. Well, another one of the things I, I've heard a couple of guys say is, and it makes all the sense in the world, but we don't think of it because we're always thinking about this stuff through the lens of baseball, um, whether it's an international guy coming to the U.S. for the first time or a high school kid that was drafted who's obviously lived at home with his parents his whole mm-hmm. life, but all of a sudden now I'm, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or I'm in the Pacific Northwest, or I'm in Peoria, Arizona. i, I got to get an apartment. i got to learn how yeah. to pay an electric bill. That kind of stuff also is taking place now. Yeah, the, the life skills are huge. So, you know, I think you know we do a good job in Arizona – of training you guys like how to use a bank, how to use ATM, how to order food. You know, that little stuff plays. And, and if a guy struggles with English or is uncomfortable getting acclimated, it can affect them on the field. Um, so it's very important off the field these guys are getting that education from us. Um, and it's a big part of everything. It's all very, very interesting. We've had the drafting. We've had the developing. And uh, hopefully much more success for the Padres coming up. Chris yes, Camp, really appreciate it. Thank you. Really, really, really interesting. Big thank you to Mark Connor. Big thank you to Chris Camp. Hope you enjoyed this. A uh, little bit of a peek, I think, behind the curtain of the uh, Padres 2018 draft. Everything that goes into it and uh, everything uh, that will be coming out of it. Hopefully great things for the Padres in the years ahead. Uh, please uh, like the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, we've already done a few of these that, that have been a lot of fun. Uh, the next episode coming up also, I don't know, in the next week or two, uh, is a little bit of a different look. Uh, at what we've been doing. Uh, you know, we've talked to Trevor Hoffman about his career. We've had uh, Austin Hedges on the podcast to discuss catching, the, the draft, uh, memories of 1998, kind of serious stuff. That will not be the case in the next podcast. The next podcast is uh, Mark Grant and myself sitting down and talking about life on the road uh, because right now the Padres are getting ready for a very long road trip uh, that'll run through Miami and St. Louis and Atlanta. We'll be away from home forever. And uh, you do not want to miss Mark Grant talking about life on the road. That is the next Beyond the Boot. Our producer is Brendan Nieto. Our engineer is Becky. And the audio mixer of Beyond the Booth is Mackie Sasser. Thanks for listening and hope you'll join us next time.